Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Marcus Brigstock is a comedian and actor who's appeared on Have I Got News For You, Pointless and Live at the Apollo. Today I'm excited to talk to him about the letters he would send to three people who mean the world to him. This is all about letter writing. Are you much of a letter writer? No, I'm not. No, I, I, I never was. Really bad at it. I'm the sort of person who buys postcards on holiday and stamps and then brings them all home with me. I un- think that's unwritten. what everybody does though. People... Apart from yeah. my husband's auntie Liz who sends a postcard yeah, and, well, from and, everywhere. And my wife. And Rachel won't, she won't accept um, a postcard bought back and posted from the UK. She's like, no, 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 that's not the point. It has to arrive with a stamp from another land. Yeah. That's where the magic lies. And I have to say, on the rare occasions I've received one, I agree. It is magical. It's magical. And it, the, the most magical ones are the ones that have been sent six months ago. Yeah. And the postal service from wherever it was sent, some remote part of Kathmandu or something, like that's just how it works. And you're like, that is so cool. Well, often when somebody in my office goes away on holiday, they'll send like a postcard to the office and they're back before the postcards. And they receive it in the post, (laughs) their own postcards. Like, oh, look, I went to Portugal. Very (laughs) nice. But you're a prolific letter writer, aren't you? Yeah, I, I write hundreds of letters every day. Um, but, but is that is that a work thing yeah, or but do you do it for pleasure a, as well? Partially it's a work thing, but I subvert it into both a work thing and pl- pleasure. Uh, obviously, I have to mm. write out hundreds of letters every day. We get thousands of uh, mm. pieces of correspondence. But um, but I like I think that writing a personal letter to, back to somebody that isn't just mm. I've topped and tailed it like I've Boris yeah, Johnson yeah. in the in the uh, <laughs> sure. he was he was yeah. just writing like you know dear Teresa and then just signing it <laughs> Boris Johnson and and this was written up as a process story about how much effort he'd put in in that he topped and tailed the letters to 300 please, people please <laughs> have uh, 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 confidence in in me because as you can see I've put dear Teresa <laughs> love love from Boris, best wishes. <laughs> Regards. Next slide, uh, please. But I, I really <laughs> like to send personal notes to people um, in uh, my... And I receive a lot of letters. I receive a lot of handwritten letters from all over the country. And I, I like to write back to them. Uh, but I don't tend to write any more to... I write, like, cards and things, and I would write postcards. Mm. But I, I, I have to say, I'm a bit useless at remembering to send them. Um, mm. Also, I can't always identify what is a postbox abroad. Might just put it accidentally <laughs> in the uh, yeah yeah, yeah. In, the, in the in the I don't know the yeah the, in the, the green sharp bin. spin yeah <laughs> there you go have a little postcard yeah. I was supposed to write letters because I went to boarding school, so it's a wonder I'm not. I, um, I was going to say most I, people who come on here who went to boarding school do do a uh, work. Yeah, you know, had to write lots of letters to. Well, Jess, it's an absolute miracle that I'm not sitting on the benches opposite <laughs> I you. I know. How did I, you? I can. I consider it a personal favour to the state of politics that I have I have declined from being a politician. I know. There's so uh, many. No, I. 
So I was made to write letters home from school uh, on a regular basis. And I think that established a sort of um, a resentment for the whole process, to be honest with you. Although I love I love receiving a, a letter. Um, although I, I would say, if I'm honest, I probably rarely open any post without some sense of trepidation. Yeah, I just uh, opened my post and it was a dark charge. So, <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, you forgot to pay the dark I, charge? I forgot to pay the dark charge. I didn't yeah, even know the yeah. dark charge was a thing, if I'm honest. So, well, there you go. You only learn the dark charge is a thing from getting a, a you forgot to pay the dark charge thing. Um, so, your your letter writing history is, is do you have any particular letters of note? Letters that say, like, you know, you've got an amazing job or you got a, or a letter from, like, the Queen. That have been sent to me or ones that I've sent? Yeah. Oh, that no. Uh, no, I haven't kept any. I've kept I've yeah. kept cards and letters from my kids. I've kept as oh, many, as many. They're cards. My two older children, my teenage kids, have been funny in their cards to me on... Uh, my birthday, Christmas, and sometimes Father's Day—they've been hilarious since they were very young. In their letters, okay, well that's, it's brilliant. That's worth keeping. Yeah, they're brilliant. Actually, I think I think that writing a letter and trying to be funny—it's like the old version of Twitter—is that if I reread letters that I'd written when I was like, you know, eighteen. Mm. Like I am definitely trying to yeah. be funny. Like you're crafting yes. it like a good, like you know. So I, I think a well-crafted card and a funny card that is definitely worth. Yeah, it's keeping. a joy. It's especially when your kids are funny. It's such a relief because they're so annoying until they, <laughs> they you know, they're accidentally funny when yeah. they're little, aren't they? They're accidentally funny. They say funny things. And they mispronounce yeah. things, and that's funny. And they swear accidentally, or, and, and like that's all funny. But, like, when they actually tell a joke that's oh, it's funny... it's gold. Like, it's absolutely gold. I, I've never feel prouder that my son uh, once said, when I was watching Escape to the Chateau, he said, the only good thing about this programme is it's got the words... <laughs> <in the project." laughs> I was... And my younger one then went, you want to watch Escape to the Country? <laughs> and I was like... I was like, oh, my God, you two are going to be... Yeah, right. yeah. You're going to be all right. right. Exactly. You're, I think that you're going to be fine in the world. You're going to be okay. Yeah, because you, can, because you can see good. it for what it is. My two my two yeah. teens... When it, so um, I remarried three years ago and um, I asked the two of them for their blessing. It was very important to me to ask them for their blessing. Uh, although I have to say I had not considered what I'd do if they went, no way. <laughs> no, will not give um so i sat down between them on the sofa and they were 16 and 14 i guess and i said guys i'm thinking of asking rachel to marry me but i don't want to do that before i've asked the two of you for your blessing it's really important it was very emotional and they were so sweet and they gave me big hugs and they were like, we're thrilled for you, dad. It's marvelous. And I was crying. And I said afterwards, I said, Oh God, I was so nervous about asking you. And, uh, my eldest, my son <laughs> said to me, <laughs> he said, Oh dad, you didn't have to be nervous. We're far too thick to understand what this means in the long term." <laughs> and, then, and then my daughter stood up and she's much shorter than me. She put both her hands on my shoulders and went, Oh, my dad's all grown up. <laughs> That's it. Same like, thing. You know, it's like, just like I think it's this will be fine. Taking the piss yeah. is it's my love language. Yes. though, is to take the piss out yeah, of yeah. Uh, people. So I think that you know, I, I am. It is lovely when your kids say funny things, and um, but, but also they they miss the mark a lot. Though I find teenagers like they're trying out being funny, and it's just like no, you you've just been wild. Yes, exactly. Do. Yeah, <laughs> that was that. You've totally missed the yeah. moment there. Not kids. that, guys. Don't don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Wind that in, wind that right in. Although mine are, <laughs> mine are much more conscious, I would say, of things that are sort of the Not wrong woke. side of the line. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they're like, we'll be laughing along and then suddenly... But to be fair, Rachel, who's 11 years younger than me, will also do that. We'll be laughing and then I'll do something and they'll be like, nope, no, no, not that. <laughs> not that. I mean, nope, that ain't my it. kids are absolutely... <laughs> irritating in this regard yeah. i am like oh god just don't take everything so seriously yeah, yeah, right? but they are really but like anything that even slightly but how can they not be they because like, 
because yeah. they live in a world where you know like talk about letter writing they live in a world where messages are passed between them and their friendship group and their family 24 hours a day there's no let up yeah. from the flow of information so woke or otherwise I mean, it's such a meaningless mm -hmm. word but like yeah, how could they is. not be permanently conscious of how people will feel about the way that others behave because yeah. they're made aware of yeah. it in a way that we we weren't just circumstantially unaware we were specifically unaware we were deliberately <laughs> unaware of that stuff and um the happier for it you know yeah. can i just say i think so I, yeah i mean i just worry that they're worrying about everything all the time i'm like it's all well i've got i've got a bit that i'm developing for my new tour show about the fact that the news broadcast news was better when we were young and the reason it was better the sole reason it was better is it ended it had an ending, <laughs> yeah. right? At 10.30 yeah. at night, all the countries everywhere around the world agreed to do bugger all until lunchtime the following day. They all signed up to it. No one did anything until lunchtime the following day. And then a few of them would pipe up and you go, oh dear, it's kicked off again. But it ended, right? And, you, and, and even if you didn't turn the telly off, they turned it off for you. Like it wasn't, the, it wasn't <laughs> there wasn't much on. Or like you'd scroll for a few hours. It was, they went, no, we've sung you a song about the Queen. Now piss off to bed. And that was it. Yeah. You know? Teletext at best. Yes. Just scrolling through. Well, the, the picture of that girl with the weird, the weird creepy telly, the test yeah. card. Yeah. So it's so true that the news used to, and like I remember when Trump was um, the president, he, he would be waking up as I was going to bed. I didn't sleep for the solid four years. <laughs> I was just like, oh God, I just was about to go yeah. to bed. Oh no. How are you awake? He's online. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh God, I'm never going to sleep yeah. for four years. Did you see John, John um, Mulaney's routine about Trump? People were asking about Trump and trying to make sense of Trump. And he said, it, it's like there's a horse loose in a hospital. <laughs> well, exactly it's so good. It was like, it's not even that it's wrong or anything. It's just like, no, there's a horse in a hospital. <laughs> and then he, got, he did a great bit saying, and the worst days were when you couldn't hear the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you know yeah, it's there. Yeah, yeah. Great. Oh, dear. So, I have asked you to think of three different letters uh, that you would yeah. send. First one is to the person who means the world to you. So, who is that letter going to go to? Well, actually, it's to my two teenage kids. Uh, I'm writing to both you of can. them. You can subvert the rules. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to write to both of my two teenage kids. And I'm not going to say their names on mm. this podcast. Um, but dear, dear my teenage <laughs> kids... Um, and the most, the thing I really want to say in, in the letter is about right now. So they're, as I talked to you, they're 17 and 19 years old. So they are both exactly the age of the group that I think have found the pandemic most I agree. difficult. Yeah. They've been isolated. They've been um, pushed out of the places that were just beginning to become both safe and dangerous mm. at the same time and exciting and mundane at the same time. All the things that you begin to realise as you step into adulthood and pushed back home with us, mm. a, a, a regressed state. And so there's that. And I, so I want to say to the two of them, not much more than I see yeah, you. Yeah, that was shit. I see you. And it doesn't help you much yeah. for me to say, I know that what you're going through you don't know because they've no context uh -huh. right you've no context guys for for what this is because you can't compare it with the experience i had yeah. or people five years older than you or five years younger than you are having but i just want you to know i see you and i know that what happened was unnatural yeah. unprecedented i also think it will be okay so there's that part of it. But then on a much more, because that's for lots of yeah, my, their age group. Yeah, my old son. And right. I just, like, I thought he was all right. And then, like, a year afterwards, he said to me, I was so lonely. And I was just like, shit. I just, like. Yes. Just, like, yeah. I'm so sorry. Like, this is shit. Yeah. This is shit for you. I'm so proud of my two, you know, that they, they put a flag up mm. to say I'm not yeah. okay. 
and God knows, you know, we tried to to do the right things and to help in the right it's way. Unprecedented, like you say, what the fuck? And you definitely misfired, yeah. right? No one knew what to do. They did put they both put a flag up and went, not okay, mm-hmm. you know what? Uh, and I know that that you know if you look at sort of Piers Morgan. Mm-hmm yelling at the sky every night go why are things changing that they will tell you that the an- the anxious generation which is my teenage kids generation that it's because they're snowflakes and that you know yeah. no one's quite saying stiff upper lip and all the rest of it and sure you know my kids are surrounded by people who actually will tell you they talk about mental health yeah. they don't they talk about mental illness yeah. very few talk about mental health and it's different but they are kind of the anxious generation and there's lots of complex reasons around that. But I'm really proud of them for saying I'm not okay and asking for help. And then the, I guess the the biggest thing to say, the reason for sending this letter and choosing them is as my kids have become teenagers, something massive has shifted in my life. And that massive shift in my life is... I've forgiven my parents for their shortcomings. (laughs) Now, I'd worked on that therapeutically, but I've forgiven my parents for their shortcomings because I can see it now. (laughs) And this is harder than it looks. It's hard. So, dear my teenage (laughs) kids, here's the thing that's happening. My job is, through your lives, has been to put a piece of string that goes from my heart to wherever you are in the world and it's always attached to you and that's been my job for you to wherever you've been to know how loved you are and your job now is to cut it yeah and you'll still know that you're loved because you are and your job is to cut it and it's okay that i'm finding that hard and god it's so hard right it is i'm trying I've tried to stop giving my 19-year-old advice in case the advice is good because his job as a 19-year-old is to not do what I tell him. I'm genuinely tempted to go, look, have you tried crystal meth? (laughs) I constantly (laughs) talk to my kids about crystal meth. Uh, It's like like a constant thing. I'm like, like, because because it wasn't a drug that was there when I was a teenager. So I am assuming that they're all having chem sex and like taking crystal meth <laughs> and I don't know what to do about that and I'm like yeah. is anyone taking crystal meth <laughs> just you have to tell that one you have to tell me the others, the others even if it's fine even if it's ketamine yeah. all right look after your friendship yeah. group if you go to a festival you don't have to I tell me worried. but the meth I want to know I was a bit worried though actually conversely because I was quite a wild, had wild uh, teenage years I was a bit worried for a spell and it, it was massively made worse by the pandemic that my mm. my older son just was was not living that element of his life like the sort of wild now since the pandemic has 100%. lifted he basically is never in the house he's off at some gig and doing this that and yeah. the other and I, it's like uh, and the cutting of the string in that regard I am just like uh, it was hard at first but I, I'm glad I'm so glad now yeah. I was worried like yeah. what's wrong with him why isn't he going out all the time and like doing stuff yeah. but and, and that's it that that's the there's a really good um new comedy on channel four called big boys that addresses like one person's experience where that's concerned but about going to uni and there being an expectation that you will just know what to do and actually loads of of uh, people at uni right now mm-hmm. starting now or in their second year are like i haven't got a clue don't know how to go out don't know what to do when i am out and all the rest of it and yeah that that sort of cutting of the string it's not about ending love or ending the relationship but it is about about independence and about respecting them as as autonomous individuals which is you know it's really hard as a parent you don't want to let go what if the what if the last piece this one little nugget of wisdom i have for you what if this is a real goodie <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> and so and you keep offering them up or i keep offering them up and then and then be a bit pissed off and a bit baffled as to why it hasn't been fully embraced. And then I think, did I, did I listen to any advice from my parents at that age? And the answer is no. I mean, my story was a bit different anyway, but yeah. Yeah. So it's really just to say that I, you know, 
I remember when I first had my kids, I, re- I understood why my mum drank so much. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this is why she had wine oh, every right, night. Okay, yeah. I, I, I see. Yeah. But yeah, you definitely yeah. learn to, like, you know, have more respect for your parents. My mum always used to say that she liked us best at the age we were at the time. Like, so, but she liked yes. us most when we were adults. Like, she loved us being adults. Um, and yeah. that I really look forward to like people are all like oh no I want to keep them babies and I want to keep them little forever mm. I'm like I really look forward to my kids being adults um, and yeah, like what they're going to be like and it's just fascinating to me that like it is fascinating yeah. that's exactly it and I have that that feeling, uh, particularly with my son, who's 19, you know, and we go on these long walks when he's home from uni and we talk about all sorts of things, film, philosophy, art, music, politics, everything. And I'm fascinated by him and and frustrated, yeah, you know, and, and quick to... Uh, I don't, we don't yell at each other or anything like that, but quick to like be like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, like they think Which they is entirely right, you know. They, they feel like they invented yeah, yeah. sex and it's just like, oh, exactly oh how original i find myself saying all the time oh nobody's yeah. ever thought that before <laughs> yeah oh goodness <laughs> brad you've discovered a brand new truth <laughs> look at you <laughs> yeah teenage kids are cool uh it but it is it is hard to be a teenager i think like you know it is and i don't I think, think that they're snowflakes i think my kids are tough i don't know like how I mean, at first it seemed like being told you didn't have to go to school. I would have been like that, yes. But um, yeah. but then being t- like you know just being locked up with your mum and dad and your annoying little brother, right? And like oh. yeah, while while uh, an existential, uh, national, local, familial, and personal threat is Everywhere. in your newsfeed all day long, every day. There's a virus coming and it's killing people. You know, and, and even even those of us who've who've not necessarily been close to someone who died from COVID or or during the pandemic even, there's still like we haven't we haven't processed a threat like no. that. The nearest I came was when I watched um there was a movie called Threads and I was already sort of quite aware of the nuclear yeah. threat when I was a kid, you know. It's nice that it's back. There's a nice bit of nostalgia. I oh, know everything's um, back, but, isn't it? Inflation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really cool. Um, never know. We might have a Labour government. <laughs> <laughs> Time travel. Um, so, yeah, like that threat thing. I think it's really weird. It's really strange to process. And I, I do, you know, global, national, local, familial, and personal all at once. Yeah. Really strange. Very, very, really strange. very, very odd. And like, not like the, the mm. idea that our kids were told as well that they were a threat to their grandparents. <laughs> it's just a bit like, yeah, you're a right? bomb. You go to KFC. Yeah. You've, you've <laughs> exactly. turned yourself into a bomb. Like, yeah, Harry was you like, sung "Happy birthday!" I went into KFC with like four people after school. It's like that. Well, that's it. You can't <laughs> go and see Granddad now. It's yeah, like... that's it. You sung "Happy Birthday" once whilst washing your hands. <laughs> well, you're Harold Shipman. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it must have been really shit for yeah. them. So, how would you sign off the letter to your teenage kids? Oh, with something ghastly and wrong that would make them roll their eyes. <laughs> I've no doubt. I love it. Just, I'd say something along the lines of just know that it will be okay, Uh, which is everyone always says, if you had to write a letter to your teenage self, what would you say? And it's nearly always some version of just know it will be okay. And the whole point about being that age is you can't know that it's okay unless it feels okay in the moment that you're in. So actually I'd put that, then I'd put ha ha ha, only kidding. It might not (laughs) be. You never know. Could go terribly wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and then I'd put um, uh, I'd put P.S. the two values that I have tried as a dad to instill in the two of you. I am proud and happy to say you have in great quantity, and that is kindness and curiosity. Yeah. So you really will be fine. Yeah, that's all that matters. They're the two things, Don't right? Don't be a dick. That's all I ever tried to teach. <laughs> yeah, so, which amounts to the yeah, same yeah. thing. Don't, don't, just don't be a yeah. dick. I don't really care about anything else. And I think that sometimes trying to say, I just want you to be happy, is actually quite a lot of pressure on that kid. 
Oh, uh, so much, right? Yeah, I just and also, be don't happy. be happy all the yeah, time. Like, uh, There's loads of shit going on you should not happy be happy about. about. Yeah. You should be cross or sad or jealous or whatever. Just don't yeah. be a dick, I think. It's, my husband said, describes it yeah. as being like a, a big salami where they're born and they're full dick. And every year you just slice <laughs> up a little bit of their dickheadery. <laughs> Until they are a normal dick, like they are, like until they're until they're just, just you're just yeah, like dick. you know when they're born, they're so selfish and they're so like yeah. they're, like and yes, you know eventually, and then one day they act with empathy, and you think, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you just asked yeah, me it how takes I so was. long, yeah. yeah, yeah, the salami yeah. slicer can go back in the cupboard, yeah, exactly. I've done my. Job. It helps that. <laughs> It helps that we've got a baby at home as well. Oh, yes, as so, a reminder of... Uh... Yeah, so it's like, you know, his needs are absolute and immediate <laughs> in all in all things. And how is that going, having a newborn baby? Do you know baby? what? It's amazing. After... So I became a dad nearly 20 years ago, and, and here I am again starting with a newborn. And it's the same as it was before except the technology's better yeah, okay, good. and and I'm not scared all the yeah. time. I think that when my first baby was born, um, the feeling like people are like, oh, you'll be, you know, overwhelmed with love. What I was overwhelmed with was fear. And I thought I'd been scared before, but I'd never uh-huh. actually felt fear, actual real fear oh, that yeah. somebody's going to die. And like my main yep. aim is just keep everybody alive till the end of the day. That's that's 100% it. And the difference with the baby at the moment is, for example, putting him in one of his, they've got too many poppers onesies, yeah. um, is that I know that his limbs do bend yeah. and, it do, and it doesn't even cause him discomfort. Whereas with my older two getting them dressed, it took an hour because you're like trying to feed their, try, feed their little splayed hands out through the arm of a onesie thinking, Oh, I'm going to tear a finger off them. And, and the reality is they're fine. Yeah. I, it does help by the way, that my, my daughter, my now teenage daughter did lose a finger when she was a child. She lost a finger in, in a door. And so for years afterwards, I mean, God bless the NHS. They sewed a version of it back yeah, on. My, my still... son chopped his little finger off uh, on a glass. Yeah. Bar, but they, they reattached it. Yeah. We still call it a magic finger. <laughs> um, but, uh, but for years after that, you know when, like, you've got other kids in your house or, you you know, a play date, as they call it, and someone goes, don't play with doors. Yeah. I would literally grab my daughter's <laughs> wrist and hold up her hand like that and go, is this what you want? Is this what you want? And these poor traumatised children are like, no, it isn't. Then don't play with doors. My children have a theory that I know a child that every bad thing has happened to like you know when they like throw peanuts up in the air and the cat's still in their mouths like oh, yeah. like that yeah. I know a kid who's choked from that I know a kid who choked from accidental hanging I know a kid who died because yeah. of the blinds like I used to, <laughs> my kids are like who are all these children you know who are these people yeah who are yeah, these exactly. people you knew who although although as a politician you are made yeah. aware oh, exactly. of all the terrible things that happen it's real That's exactly what i said i said people come to me week in week out with dreadful stories i could i've got a terrible yeah. story to cover every one of your health and safety mr bean yeah yeah men. um oh yeah. yeah that's a good point i hadn't thought yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> imagine i'm like that everything is a risk everything if they put yeah. anything around their neck i'm like that oh, don't, don't get it off <laughs> even now and like he's like basically an adult i mean they're both six foot tall my kids so like i'm like I don't really know. And you're like that. Do you want me to introduce you to some of my constituents? <laughs> yeah, that's, Is that what you want? That's what you want. <laughs> so the second letter I asked you to write was to somebody who's no longer with us. So who would that be? Yes. So that's my friend James, who um, he died a little over 10 years ago. And he was my best mate. And so I was, you know, I was young when he died. or We were young when he died. I'm just trying to think if it was 10 years ago. Maybe it was even slightly more than that. It was more than that. God. After 10 years, anyway, it just becomes 10 years. Yeah, 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 exactly. But he died really young and, and he left behind a, a widow and two very small little kids. And uh, And I miss him still, you know. He was such a... 
uh, <laughs> he'd have hated you. <laughs> he'd have hated you. Oh, my God. He'd have voted for Brexit, not because he believed in it, but just to piss me off. <laughs> I loved, I loved him dearly, and he would genuinely. He probably in the ballot box would not have voted for Brexit, but he'd have told yeah. me for years, and he'd have, he'd have every time I saw him, um, he'd have been very quick to get the new passport and show it to me, <laughs> very quick, and say how great it My was. My husband does the, did the exact opposite during the Brexit debates. He was working on a building site. And like yeah. everybody was really Brexit, and so he would be like, "I think we should have the single European currency. I think we should have a united army. Yeah. I think we should speak Esperanto." <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> think any of these things necessarily, but he was just like, yeah. "I'm going to lean right in. I'm going to, I'm going to take it just to the next it going. level." Yeah. See if I can tip the scales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he would. He um, he would. It's hard to know what he'd have made of obviously of of any of what's happened he was a little bit older than me he was more mates with my sister when uh, like when we were growing up but it was when it was when we started clubbing like early 20s and we just went out we went out together James and I every weekend Friday and Saturday sometimes Thursday sometimes Sunday as well and we just dance all night and god I miss him he was such a great guy and such an asshole. <laughs> They're often aren't right? they? Yeah, because to because the two things at once, you know, always. And he would wind me up something chronic, and I feel like there's more going on right now. To wind, to wind you me up, up about, yeah, yeah. That then he'd he'd have enjoyed it. He'd have loved. He'd have had a bet on Trump being president <laughs> and shown me the money he'd won. Or he'd have, I'll tell you what he'd have done. He'd have had a bet on Trump being president and then gone, um, do you fancy dinner? And he'd have paid for <laughs> dinner and then he'd have gone, uh, do you know what paid for that? Do you know what paid for that? Our president, Donald Trump. And I'd be like, what, what, what are you talking about? And he'd said, I'll put a bet on it. Like, won a load of money. That's what's just paid for your dinner. <laughs> I, I, uh, I find that with some of my constituents, though, they definitely are winding you up. Like, this bloke on the yeah. doorstep was saying to me the other day, he was like, um, no, I think Boris has done an excellent job and actually I trust everything that he says. And, th- and then I'm like, after a bit, I'm like that. Are you joking? <laughs> and he's like that. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they go, if they go that far, if someone says I trust everything he says, you know, one bloke in Erdington in um, the by-election, in in, in like you know, a, a councillor said to me, he said to me, oh, actually, I really quite like Boris because we're related, and I was like. Are you really? And he was like that. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm not. Are you yeah, super? I'm so living. It's just like no. I wish I'd been quick enough. Yeah, I'm to one. Be like, of, are you one of his? Yeah, I'm one kids. of his kids. Yeah, I wish I'd been quick enough to think of that. I thought of it as I walked up his drive, and I was like that. Fuck. <laughs> what a waste. What a he waste. He was about sixty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, still, you never know. You never know. You never know. Um, so, yeah, so I do. I mean, it's you know, I thought long and hard about this, about who I should write to, and I just thought, well, it, it has to be James. I've not been, I've not really known anyone that's died. My my grandparents have died now, and but they died at the age that you're supposed to die. And anyone, you know, anyone who sort of dies younger than that, it's all it's awful. Uh, there's the, you know that age old thing that. It, you know, your parents should not outlive you. And so many people go through some version of that. And, uh, James's mum and dad, who I, you know, are still really good mates with my family and stuff. You know, I still see them and it's just unimaginable pain for me as a, as, as my best mate, it broke my heart and it makes me sad whenever I think about it, but you can move on. It's different though for them. And, you know, and for his kids, bless them, you know, they never got a chance to properly, know their dad and um yeah that, was he were you, you know, expecting it's, it's, him to die was he sad. poorly well do you know what he had a heart condition and he had if james had been born about a year later he'd have been all right because the year after he was born which i believe was 1969 maybe no 70 
they'd developed what they'd have needed to fix a hole in the heart in an infant. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's common. But it was for him, they couldn't do it. Mm. And so they went and did it later on. And he had this massive scar down his chest. And we never talked about it, really. I knew he'd go in and he'd have his heart stopped and then restarted when it went out, which is like, I know, right? And we'd talk about it and he'd never say too much but I knew he was scared, right? Because what you're doing there is you're going, I'm just going to pop in and they're going to kill me for a minute and then they're going to bring me back. So we knew and we'd sort of like, and I'd ring him and go, um, "They did they start it up again, mate? Do you know what I mean? Like, because that's yeah. how you have to deal with things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. You have to have gallows humour about things like yes. that. Yes. And there was one time when his eldest was born and it was around that time that I started finding some success in comedy and making some money from it. And I, I got a pension. I started paying into a pension because I, mm. you know, um, I'd been advised to. <laughs> right. Young man. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I said to him, what, what do you do with yours? You know, cause he was self-employed and would do all sorts of different cool things. And he said, I haven't got one. And I, I wagged my finger at him and I was like, mate, you need one. You know, you're a dad yeah. now, you've, you've got a wife. And he looked at me and he just shook his head. And, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so sad. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he just shook his head. And it was the only time, it was really the only time in all the years that we were close like that, that he told me that he knew that he wouldn't it, yeah. live until he was old. So, so we did all, you know, we did all know, but he lived, he just, he didn't just ignore it. He was quite careful with his heart. He wasn't an idiot with what he ate and drank and where he went out, but he did just, he lived a very full life, you know, enjoyed his life so much. And it's really sudden. He was out playing football with his boys, just kicking a ball around on a cold day, got ill, got pneumonia. And And his wife phoned me and said, oh, he's in hospital with pneumonia. And I called him up. And I took the piss and he said, this was the other one. He said, don't make me laugh. It hurts. And I I was like, oh, okay, mate. All right. You know, and, but sort of couldn't stop because that was the relationship we had, you know? And, uh, and then she phoned me the next day and said, he's gone. He's died. And I was just, oh my God. Yeah, but especially because of pneumonia, like people get pneumonia and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These days, like pneumonia, it's old fashioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's old fashioned but yeah so he kind of like if he'd been if he'd been one year younger he he probably the NHS by then had what they needed and they save they save people like him all the time which is wonderful lots of kids my age were born with holes in their hearts like that was not it's not like an uncommon thing that happens and they all just had this like surgery to rectify it yeah exactly and he had he had some version of that surgery, but much later on had a scar from the you know Sternum, just yeah. under his neck all the way down to his belly. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Um, he read the he read the worst books. <laughs> he would only read a book if somewhere on the back cover it had the fra- the sentence "trapped behind enemy lines." <laughs> that was the criteria for his choice of literature always. I go, what are you reading there? And he'd go, it's about this guy. Um, you'd like it, actually. He's he's trapped behind <laughs> enemy lines. Like, oh, for God's sake, not another one. How many are there? Turns out an endless number. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, you know, they're obviously rubbish if they're all getting caught behind enemy lines. Like, read about a right? hero. The hero who doesn't get caught <laughs> exactly. behind enemy lines. Yeah. Completely evades, walks along the enemy line and uh, and evades it. That That's the story I want to read. Yeah. And so how yeah, would you yeah. sign up a letter to James? Uh, I'll see you soon, not too soon. Aww. Take care. I miss you. I see the, yeah. the afterlife uh, thing. I, I don't, I'm, uh, yes. I'm a smug atheist. Um, and uh, I really hope it's true. <laughs> well, so so the show, the show that I wrote that then became my, book god collar is about this so when james died i was an atheist and i was very much like you know mm. da, 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 that's it but when you lose someone you love 
you have to find a place for them. And what happened is I talked to his eldest son and said things that I believed were true um, and, and were important, which were, your dad can see you. You can't see him. He's not physically here, but he's, he's there. He's there somewhere. And what happened is I had the opposite of a crisis of faith. I had a crisis of atheism when I realized I was not affording myself the same comfort and the same yeah. kindness. And the truth is, wherever James has gone to as a spirit or a whatever, I haven't got a clue. I can't know, but I need him to be somewhere, somewhere. where he's aware of this conversation <laughs> and is able to go, you're talking to a labour politician <laughs> labor and not just not just labor but working class labor <laughs> the worst the worst midlands i believe you know <laughs> and so at the very least i want him to be aware of of that you know uh, yeah I, I i really hope it's true i hope i'm wrong about everything yeah. i really i what i mean there's only upside <laughs> Right, so hundred yeah, percent, and uh, and if, if I'll be delighted to be proven. Yeah, that. and if when death comes for me, I have a sense that there is some some somewhere to go. I feel like that will be better. You know, yeah. there's a great book by David Eagleman called Some. Uh, I definitely recommend it. It's wonderful. Where he basically says, look, if we're making up shit that happens to us afterwards, why get stuck in Judeo-Christian? teachings why not imagine a whole bunch of other stuff and the first story each one of them is five four five pages long the first one is after you die you relive your life again but with all of the common experiences grouped together so every bath you've had you have all in one go every meal you have all in one go and then at the end of it god says did it make any more sense that way around <laughs> So it's just that it's full of these explorations, and then some of them are really. I would like a year-long bath. So it'd be all right. Now I tell you what, <laughs> mine would come in at well over a year. But there's another great one where he, this this guy is asked after he dies, "You can be anything now. You can choose to be anything." And he wants to be a horse. He says, "I'd like to be a horse," and immediately he he wishes it. He feels these enormous, powerful muscles developing and this hugeness to his frame and this enormous sense of power and the ability to move forward with great speed and power. And the last thing he experiences is him losing the ability to make that choice again because he's chosen to be a horse. And he will never have what we have as humans. We're not as fast as horses. We can't fly as fast as birds. But we have the absolute privilege of being able to look at a bird and imagine what that is like. And there's no evidence that animals have any part of that. Yeah, but it's really cool. But it makes you, that's what I love about the book. It makes you think about, okay, well, then what is there? You know? Yeah, Yeah, it's great. Oh my gosh, that that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'll read it. We'll be back for Marcus's final letter after a short break. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe the moon underwater will search for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right then, so the, the last letter is to somebody who has a, had an impact on their life, your life, but doesn't realise. Yeah. So who would that be to? Yeah. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't possibly know. This is uh, dear Bill W. Uh, dear Bill W. Please forgive me for breaking the first and most important tradition of the um, anonymous fellowships, which is I have to out myself <laughs> and not be anonymous as a recovering addict. But it, you're allowed to out yourself, I believe. Most yeah. people know. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. So Bill W along with Dr. Bob and, and others, created Alcoholics Anonymous. And unless you've had reason to go to AA or NA, Narcotics Anonymous, or Overeaters Anonymous, or Sex Addicts Anonymous, or Gamblers Anonymous, or... All the anonymouses. There's, there's many of them. CA, my brother, you won't, started here. You, you won't know what, what those people did. And they have saved the lives of millions of people millions of people their lives have been saved and not just the addicts no. all the people their touched families. by the lives of addicts right people die from addiction related illnesses all the time every day right it happens and i'm not talking people when you say addiction they think crystal meth they think coke they think extreme alcoholism the guy in lying in the street with a yellow beard who's pissed himself you know Uh, they think uh, about karen carpenter only if they think about food addiction but the reality is that food addiction is absolutely rife and it's killing people every day uh people who are unable to change their relationship with the comfort that food Mm. brings them and that food was was and remains the biggest addictive problem in my life but what what i want to say to bill w is really simple it's thank you it's just thank you because i'd i'd be dead i have no doubt about that if i had not had the intervention that i had and i'm all right i'm a nice posh boy from nice posh background with loving parents who who had uh hearts big enough to never give up on me most Mm. parents never give up on their kids anyway but they also had the means to help me and the time and and a great many people are not in that privileged a position but bill w you know people have seen versions of aa meetings oh no it's not films and stuff and it ain't that it's not not what it is no one no one goes for example and i see we have someone new in the meeting Why don't you say what's going on with you? And then you sit there and you go, I don't want to. And then you burst into tears and you tell them everything and you're magically better. That ain't what it is. It's long and it's slow and it's inviting you to lead a really accountable life where you keep a tally on, you keep an eye on whether you become resentful or whether your decisions are made in fear. And there are means created within that 12-step program of no longer making decisions based on resentment and fear and selfishness and all the rest of it. So that's all incredible. And it's extraordinary that they found this thing. thing. But I think for me, the thing that maybe over and above all the rest of it, I find so astonishing is in the 12-step program, the second step is... Um, you came to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. And step three is made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, as you understood yeah, I was gonna say, it. And as that an is atheist, enough. How did you find right? That? That's yeah. enough to put most yeah. people off. And then the next chapter in the book is a letter to the atheist. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a letter to the agnostic, mm-hmm. but that's fine. Yeah. 
And that chapter and the chapter after addresses not only agnostics and atheists, but also these were all Christian American mm -hmm. men. And somehow they had the, 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 the foresight, despite the fact that the principles of what they put together came somewhat from Christianity. Mm -hmm. They had the foresight to remove anything related to the Judeo-Christian tradition. There is no whiff of the Bible in the 12-step program. There's no whiff of the Torah. There's no whiff of the Quran. And you can walk into a meeting as an atheist, an agnostic, a Sikh, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Christian, a Methodist, a Jew, Muslim, whatever, and you will be just as welcome as the person sitting next to you. And no part of what you believe in need be um, discarded. And no part of what you're asked to engage with will... Um, will destroy that it might be difficult sometimes but how in god's name did those men in the well, 1930s my, have the foresight to do my that? experience of it and when you say men as well as christian men yeah my experience of it as well uh my brother has been in recovery now for like five years and i have been to meetings uh, i often feel a mm. little bit like i am crying uh, when I'm in them but I have been asked to go by various and I've been in supported constituents mm. in, in in their first meetings and things mm. um, and um, what what I would say about my brother's experience and some of the other people I know is that one of the things that had to be challenged in them was patriarchal norms and that the programme challenged their patriarchal norms that sexually harmful behaviours there, you know, yeah. and, and uh, like how those men, I mean, I couldn't have written some of it better myself mm. in mm. the understand, like, you know, the sort of check your privilege in it, you know, it, from yeah. a bygone era. Um, but my brother's understanding of his own patriarchal norms as a pattern of his um, uh, offending in, in this regard and addiction mm. It was, uh, you know, it, for a 40-year-old man to change literally the in the inbuilt thing you've been yeah, raised wiring, with. Right? Yeah. I, it's, it's a, it is a phenomenon to me. Now, as a policymaker, the fellowship doesn't fit in with policy because... And there's one reason for that is because it doesn't cost any money. And it doesn't, it exactly. doesn't cost any it's money. It's free. It's and free so forever for everyone. Commissioners don't know what the fuck to do with it. Like they're like, like so people don't know how to make the fellowship work within uh, yeah. a, a policy based space. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm the chair of the twelve step. I'm the vice chair of the twelve step program, all party parliamentary group, um, and um, it is it is so funny to sit with sort of clinicians essentially in a lot of cases and get them to yeah. square the circle with it sometimes um, because yeah. people people don't understand it when it doesn't cost money. That's, a, that's, that's just the reality of politics, that's I'm afraid. Um, and I, I, when I started going to meetings, and I've been sober for over 30 years, that's <laughs> amazing, I've been sober for over 30 years, I sat in those meetings night after night between people who had been living on the streets who had nothing who'd started with nothing and had less by the time they came in and next to people who were albeit tentatively clinging on to multi-million pound businesses that they'd established or careers in the arts mm. that you know they were some of the highest regarded people and it made it absolutely no difference, no difference. Yeah. and as you say you know the patriarchal uh bullshit uh resentments racism yeah, you can't you can't you you cannot be racist in a in a 12 if you're living in 12-step recovery it doesn't work you can't be sexist you can't be homophobic it doesn't work because those are all things that you would be invited by your sponsor by the meeting if you invited a larger group of people to do it to examine as to why you're acting in fear mm. why you're acting from resentment and all the rest of it and i in fact in my own um, relationship with God, uh, 
which is one where I uh, have no interest at all in what God is yeah. or what God looks like or where God is or anything in my own relationship with God, even whether the, the notion of God being a conscious entity in the universe, there was a clarity of thought that that those people arrived at when they got sober together and helped each other that feels uh like it came from something uh, let's say magical that's like sort of the sort of thomas Paine view is that people are my religion like that that magic that those people i mean i um i am a zealot about the 12 step program because it saved mm. my family's life uh, yeah. without question yeah. and i think that actually the, there needs to be massive improvements in things like al anon for like families and things oh, like so much to be. yeah because if my son my brother had had cancer my parents would have got mo- much more sympathy and support whereas you know being a heroin mm. addict is not you know that it didn't get quite so yeah. much sympathy uh, no, of course certainly you couldn't just talk about it at work no one would be like oh how's luke's treatment going or anything like that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that there the needs to be vast, vast improvements. As my brother always says, I, it's not the drug that will kill me, it's the stigma um, that will kill me. In yeah, the totally. Run. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that there's no doubt at all that addicts and and everyone else, but addicts have pain in their lives. There's a pain that mm. will lead them to finding a solution to that pain in some form of altered experience which they then either are already addicted to or become addicted to and all the rest of it but one of the things that i've come to believe over a very long time in recovery is that the reason an addict takes heroin on a wednesday is because they took it on tuesday and i don't mean habitually therefore they need it on wednesday i mean on tuesday they stole money from someone they loved they broke a, a solemn promise to themselves that it was over. They slept somewhere appalling. They woke up in pain. So on Wednesday, even if they went to bed, like most addicts do, going, well, that's it yeah. now. That's it now. I'm done. At least today, at least I did the worst thing I've ever done yeah. today So so that now I can draw a line under it. When they wake up the next morning, they're the same. And that's, that's why we act out yeah. until in whatever form it is until help comes and help for me came through the 12 steps for free i'm still going after 30 years My goes every and one day. of the things it goes to a meeting yeah well there you go day. you know it's like a job for him to be in recovery yeah and and there's a there's a really interesting uh there's a really interesting thing when i interviewed laura bates about um, men who hate women her her brilliant book we touched on it a little bit there there is an epidemic of porn addiction. Mm, oh God, dreadful! Now, if you look at what porn does to the mm. human brain, right, it fires a small amount of dopamine every time you see an image. It's particularly true of men, but by no means exclusively, right? That particular drug, and it operates as a drug for the reason I just yeah. explained. It fires dopamine into the human brain, right? Again and again and again and again and again day after day after day night after night in total secrecy it's free for children forever right like from about the age of 11 for for a lot of them thereabouts it's free all night forever and no one knows and there is a massive problem with it and people think that they, that has something to do with sex or nothing masturbation. Oh, it oh, it's just little boys wanking too much. It's nothing to nothing do with whether to they're do. touching themselves or not. And, yourself and everything, life. exactly. It's everything to do with what it does to dopamine production in the human brain and the ability in the human brain to receive dopamine, right? So that when you stop doing what you've been doing, it becomes not just difficult, but literally impossible to experience joy. And there's an epidemic of it. And there is also help out there. You know, people, what happens is someone gets caught for being a sex offender and they go, I've realized I'm an addict and I'm going to get help. And everyone is so angry with them that they go, fuck you, die on fire. (laughs) Now they may be a sex addict. They may not, who knows, but I'll say this. There are so many people 
who are very secretly struggling with a relationship with pornography that they've not been able to mention to Anyone. anybody at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you're and absolutely it's right. a big problem. I mean, there definitely needs to be fellowship solutions to that because... Uh, well, there are. They're out there. They're out there. Um, and and it's not you know they're not there's all sorts of like the the no fap movement yeah. and I think Jordan Peterson has some ideas in the in the manosphere about what should be done and all the rest of it but like anything else like all of like all forms of addiction you know it, it, it starts as a way of comforting yourself and becomes a, a form of self harm that you're not choosing. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, yeah. So, so my letter is to Bill W to say as well. You know, there's a bunch of other fellowships, Bill, that have sprung up from that magical thing that you and Doctor Bob and the others created, and it's it's still saving lives years on. And it will. So thanks, man. It will forever. Yeah, fellowship will exist forever. And at first, I used to think, God, like. My brother was like religious about it, and I was to, he'd say mm. things to me like taking the piss. Like every time I have a drink, he's like the first one's the worst one. I'm like fuck off, let's. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, it is. I mean, I have taken people to the meetings, um, and yeah. it is like magic. It is like yeah. genuine magic, um, and yeah. there needs to be much, much more of it. And. Uh, yeah, mm. it's it should be literally every single fucking workplace should have a fellowship. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, like every truly. single. Well, <laughs> uh, as luck would have it, it's a way of dealing with the things that happen in the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, that you're like, oh, well, this is absolutely nothing to do with whether or not I like a, a spicy little drink yeah. first thing in the morning and everything to do with, oh, I've been um, bereaved. Oh, well, as luck would have it, there's a, there's a, a process I can go through here yeah. that is very unlikely to lead me to make poor decisions that will hurt me or yeah, others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's also really the accountability. An extraordinary the accountability thing. is the thing that got got me to be yeah, uh, religious yeah. about it in the end was it's the only thing ever I've ever known work and my God, my brother's done everything. Um, mm. It was that he was accountable for his behaviour for the first time and I didn't yeah. resent having to take part in any part of the process. My husband, mm. when he did that thing, you know, where you go and say sorry to people, uh, amends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my husband, he, he started the conversation, my husband just said to him, um, the amends you can make for, to me would be if we can stop having this conversation and we never talk about this again. <laughs> it's just like... I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, whereas yeah. my kids took it really seriously and their amends were that he had to um, take them to the cinema on release day for any film they ever wanted to see and always bring Pickled Onion Monster Munch. True ah, to ah. their words. True to his words. He does, he does it. it. So he still Good does man. it. He still There you does go, it. living your amends. <laughs> Believe your amends. And both both totally, totally valid because I know I know for a fact looking back at not just the, not just when I got sober but at times when I've had to hard re-engage with mm. with the program recovering addicts are not quite as hard to be around as addicts in their addiction no. but we're not no, far behind yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a mate of mine a brilliant comedian who's been sober I think one year longer than me so when I hit my 30th anniversary of sobriety he sent me a message going um uh, a day at a time it gets easier you newcomers you're the inspiration of <laughs> the reason i'm here but he was very funny he said he said i don't let anyone in my car until they're 10 years sober <laughs> don't let anyone in my house until they're 20 years sober and no one meets my family till they're 30 years sober <laughs> Jesus, this is a high bar, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, how would you sign off your letter to Bill W? Uh, uh, I would say um, a day at a time, I'm still here. Oh. And, and thank oh, you. They are amazing. They, they thank are you. Amazing. You, saved, you saved my life, saved my whole family's life. Indeed. Marcus, yeah. it has been a total pleasure, as always. Yeah, what a joy. And I will see you... Uh, I didn't know you were going to say the AA stuff, and I am total, absolute bloody convert to it. So um, it is the best thing ever. I love it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. 
And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.